Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. I spent three years in Northern Virginia while I was in seminary after graduating from college. I love Virginia between mid-May and mid-September, which is precisely when I did not live there. And I say that only because it got so cold in Virginia, and being from Texas, the winters were honestly very hard on me. Now, I do know that some people say they like winter, and I suppose some people actually do, but I am yet to meet anyone who spends his working career in Florida and who then chooses to retire in Minneapolis. And so whenever I think of winter, my mind doesn't picture a warm fire and a cup of cocoa. I think of a cold seminary dorm room, ice, darkness, hypothermia, depression, and lots of eating to cure my depression. Now, you may or may not like winter, but of course the topic of this episode is not weather patterns, but rather something that I think we're all very attuned to at the moment, and that's the inner cold front that keeps blowing in as we worry about our health and jobs and the people we love and the future, not to mention the pain that comes with being separated from people we're so accustomed to seeing on a regular basis. In other words, I'm talking about what we might call spiritual winter, that sense that we are suffering or that others are suffering. And so my hope for this episode is to reframe our suffering in the context of the Christian gospel and to ask the question, can God use that suffering for good? And can the suffering we experience be meaningful? A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Here ends the reading. Suffering is perhaps the most universal human experience, and yet we're also surprised and a little taken aback when suffering does come our way. I mean, right when suffering descends upon us, it can feel very abnormal. But the truth is, loss and pain, this is just part of the deal of being alive. Even the healthy and wealthy amongst us will eventually lose the things we love. We lose our spouse, our parents, our job, our hormonal balance, our purpose, our health. And with that experience of deep loss comes a feeling of God's absence My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the words that Jesus prayed from his cross. And there may be times in life when we pray the same words from our cross as well. 
Because worse than the suffering itself is that sense of fear we often feel that God is absent from our suffering, or worse, that God does not exist, and that our suffering has no meaning. But of course, the biblical understanding of suffering is much different. For we know, Paul says, for we know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That God can use our experience of suffering for good is something that we all know to be true, and yet it is also a truth that we all deeply resist. Because not only does nothing inside of us want to suffer, we don't even like to talk about suffering. I would much rather be doing a podcast right now on the power of positive thinking or something like that because I don't like suffering and I really hate to see the people I love suffer. In fact, as a priest, I have this natural knee-jerk desire to help you get out of your suffering. I want you to feel better. And yet, I also know that suffering can bring with it a tremendous gift, that it can dispel the illusion that we have strength and competence to rule our own lives and heal our own pain. I mean, right of discipleship is all about learning to relinquish our full life to Jesus. What suffering does is take away our need to even choose. Suffering relinquishes us before we can choose. Several years ago, there was a survey conducted that asked thousands of people what one thing had the greatest impact on their spiritual development. Pain and suffering overwhelmingly clocked in as the number one answer. And while it always remains true that suffering is not a part of God's kingdom and that as Christians we are to work with all our might to alleviate human suffering, it is equally true that God desires to use our suffering to form us deeper into the image of Christ. And so don't hear me say that suffering is good, but what I will say is that God is good and resourceful, meaning that God can use our suffering for our own spiritual benefit. And so here's the idea I'm going to ask us to lean into today, that at some point in our walk with the Lord, our spiritual growth will be stunted until we're able to lean into our pain in a more conscious and meaningful way. And Because we are in a very difficult time right now as a society and as individuals, I'll even ask you to not waste this moment. Because on the one hand, what a horrible thing this virus is, and I I mean that. But on the other hand, what a great opportunity to practice the art of turning our suffering over to God, to feel our pain more consciously, and to ask God to use our pain to make us more hopeful and generous people. For we know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And so I wonder what that might look like for you, to lean into your pain in a more conscious and intentional way. 
Because here's the thing, I do not believe that God likes suffering or that suffering causes God to smile in the same way that beauty does. However, I do believe that God uses the suffering that comes with the human experience to form us into softer and more compassionate people. And so consider an iceberg, and for fun, let's say that this represents our life. And by the way, I sent you a link to this image in the weekly email, and so use that if it'd be helpful to you. The top of the iceberg we will call the managed life. This is a place where not only do we think it's good to be in control, but we've actually convinced ourselves that we are in control. Life, for the most part, goes the way we think it should. We find that we win the game of life a bit more often than we lose the game of life. We do our part, and we are rewarded accordingly. That is the psychological makeup of the managed life. And so think of that Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 who says, God, I fast twice a week, I tithe, I worship, I manage my end of the bargain, and God, I thank you that I'm not like that sinner over there. Life is under control. That is the managed life. But here's the thing. At some point, life knocks us off our horse and takes away two foundational illusions upon which the managed life runs. The two main ones being life is fair and I'm in control. And when those illusions dissolve, life drives us not up but down. We're in pain. And it's natural to blame someone for the pain, to numb, to succumb to shame and fear, and to just live a wounded life. And sometimes we settle for that existence and say, that's just the way life is. Or we look for a ladder to climb back up because we miss the managed life and we assume that our fall is a problem. So here is the point of this episode. When life happens and knocks us off our horse and we fall into the wounded life, so often we think that God wants to help us climb back up, to get back to the managed life where we had everything under control. And the provocative thought I offer today is that maybe God wants us to keep falling deeper into a knowledge of the gospel, deeper into God's mercy, and deeper into a posture of waiting, endurance, and hope. Because there is a place that I'm calling the formed life, where suffering is still horrible, but it becomes a vehicle for grace and takes away our illusion of control, where it teaches us empathy and wisdom and makes our wounds not sources of shame but avenues through which other people are healed. And how we move from the wounded life to the formed life, I can't prescribe that. I can't give you seven easy steps or five spiritual laws, but what I can say is that if we are earnest and if we rededicate our heart and intention to God frequently, that this is where God will lead us. And so something I want to be clear about, suffering is a problem, but the goodness of God is to take that problem, turn it on its head, and to use it as a key ingredient in God's solution. And so for whatever pain you're enduring at the moment, I am so sorry 
Part of me deeply wishes I could take that pain away. But the wiser part of me also knows that embedded in our suffering is always a gift, and that not only can we tolerate our suffering, but we can even boast in our suffering, for we know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Let us pray. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls, and to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.